It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Z92.5 The Castle, our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN, and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. The millennial man is Jared Patel of Valley Sports Detroit. Comments and questions can be sent by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Follow Three Point Podcast on social media at Three Point Pod. The fellows will get it rolling right after this from our partners. Great news to report. Sheridan Realty and Auction Company has built a new 7,500-square-foot warehouse in Owasso. Now we are able to take all of your items and put it underneath one roof. Whether you are able to bring us a vehicle, an ATV, furniture, it goes inside. Go to SheridanAuctionService.com to see more. More importantly, stop down and see us at 1007 South Washington Street. You'll do better with Sheridan. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Hello again, everybody. It's time for Three Point Podcast, episode 175. I'm Ted Fattel of Z92.5 with ESPN's Matt Burns and Jared Fattel of Bally Sports Detroit. Matt Burns of ESPN, of course. He's on the phone. Our partners include Advanced Elevator, the ALS Association of Michigan, Corona Connection, Hankard Sportswear, JJ's Excavating and Tree Services, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Owasso Speedway, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5 the castle we have a full show for you here tonight we'll be talking with jim woodworth a little later on about uh, a new scholarship over at corona but before we get to that guys let's catch up like we always do who wants to start it off i'm the i'm the negative nancy of the pod but i think this is something that everybody can relate to what is going on with mosquitoes right now oh they are it's bad. It, Matt. You are lucking out not living in Michigan. I, it's literal hell on earth right now. This past week, since we say, got, I've, I've seen like multiple. I mean, I'm talking like 15, 20 posts on Facebook or something. People who are still in Michigan talking about like, I've got to cover myself in DEET next time I go golfing. Like yeah. people talking about like, I've got to wear like a garbage bag when I mow my lawn just to keep the mosquitoes off. And yeah, it, it does like bring back memories. It, mosquitoes get bad in the summer, but is it? Just like at an all-time level or something? I've never seen them worse. In my life, I've never seen them worse. And it is a short little sample size where it's it's only been a week, but I don't see it ending. I mean, there's still rain coming this this whole next week, so it's only going to get worse. Like you said, it's when when I went golfing, you almost can't play. It's every golf course I've been to this past week has mosquito off spray like sitting on their back patios, like because they know like essentially you're not gonna be able to play unless you douse yourself in off spray. And even after dousing myself, I was still getting attacked all weekend. So much so that I've like almost I went on like a little bit of a rabbit hole uh, this last weekend. Where like what is it that mosquitoes serve? Like what is the purpose they serve? Let's just say that they didn't exist. 
uh, would anything really bad happen? And this is what I got, uh, according to uh, – it was some data work. I don't remember off the top of my head. If mosquitoes were eradicated from the planet, hundreds of species of fish would have to change their diet. Without these fish, the food chain would be disrupted in both directions. Some species of bird, bat, spider, insect, salamander, lizard, and frog also eat mosquitoes and may struggle without them. Ipso de facto, they don't really matter, is what I get from that. I mean, maybe this will happen, maybe that will happen, some fish will die. Just get them out of here. I mean, Ted, I look at your generation. Every other day I see a picture of some 60-, 70-year-old guy standing there with a lion or a rhino or something that they killed. Why can't you guys kill off something that like a mosquito? Why is it that you kill off all the cool animals? So I'm kind of blaming it on you. Okay, well, that's fair. I, I, I... So how, did, how did this like spin into blaming Ted's generation for mosquitoes. Like I said, they kill all the cool animals, they make them go extinct, but the ones that suck, they, they want nothing to do with it. Would, would you expect anything else, Matt, really, on this <laughs> podcast? Yeah. After after the hate that he put on the 4th of July holiday last week. <laughs> yeah, I, it just, you know, I, I was just thinking about it. It's just, you know, we kill all the cool animals. Why not one of these animals that we all agree is the worst thing on the planet? Why don't we put all of our best scientist brains around it and get these things out of here? What you the article you read or whatever? It's the circle of life. It's Lion King. It's it's that whole lesson. Yeah, mosquitoes bug the hell out of us, but other species rely on them for food. So we'd, you'd be screwing up the whole ecosystem, the whole circle of life if you did that. I'd probably take my chances with that. I mean, there are other <laughs> insects that can be yeah. eaten by animals. I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure that the circle of life depends on mosquitoes. Because, and I will agree with Jared. I'm not going to come out and say it's the worst ever, but it's right up there. I mean, I can't think of a worse time, but there's been some bad years of mosquitoes. I, I can imagine it's probably just absolutely horrendous at your house. Oh, it's pretty bad. Now, we have a we have a service comes in about every month or so that does spray our yard. It makes a huge difference. But last weekend, and I'll tell you about my weekend in just a bit, last weekend was pretty bad when it came to the mosquitoes. I mean, we had to definitely... Uh, off up, if you will, when we were yeah. out on the boat and just walking down to the boat. It was terrible. Yeah, I, I remember those those days, like, when we'd be in my parents' backyard, and, uh, you know, they, it was, like, way out in the country in Owasso, kind of, like, kind of your area-ish, Ted, out mm -hmm. that way, and it, there would be times that, like, you couldn't enjoy your backyard because you're just sitting there smacking your arm constantly. Like, yeah. even if, like you said, Jared, like, even if you load up on the beat, or you're sitting by a campfire that's supposed to kind of, like, repel them a little bit, it almost would make it, like, unenjoyable. You're like, it's a beautiful summer night. You want to be outside, but you can't even enjoy it. You're sitting inside looking outside because the mosquitoes are ruining. So, yeah, actually, yeah, I'd be all right. Let's, let's get rid of the mosquitoes. Yeah. Well, it did put a little bit of damper, and I'll, I'll just jump out of the gate here and say this was my birthday weekend. It was a big one, fellas. Uh, Number 65, my first pension check comes in another month. <laughs> but uh, started off the uh, the birthday weekend, I'll call it, with we have a Friday night yacht club. That's when we all take a little cruise on my pontoon. We have a standing invitation to some of our uh, some of our friends every Friday night when the weather is conducive. Well, it was a beautiful evening Friday night. Uh, my brother-in-law Joe came over, and he uh, declared it, it was going to be a booze cruise. So I don't know if either one of you guys have heard of a drink called an Alabama Slammer. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sounds like something from like a country music song. I don't know, but it's uh, it's a very potent drink. Joe made me one, and we did our cruise <laughs> around. He said, you want another one? I said, yeah, that Get, tasted pretty good. What, what, then I watched him make it, and it was a shot of whiskey, a shot of slow gin, and a, so a shot of some other alcohol. So it's three shots in the drink, cool. plus you know some other mixer like juice, and it 
it was delicious. But by the time I got back to the dock, I was six shots in and two beers, and then we went out for a night cruise. So it's quite a yeah, quite a drink. The one the one that I've had it, it's a Southern Comfort gin and then amaretto, and yeah, when you mix it all together with whatever juice, yep, like you said, it it goes down pretty smooth. But you're you're almost taking like three shots in one drink. You, so you, you definitely have, are. You have two or three of those. You're you're a good six or nine shots in. So yeah, that's nice. Yeah, it was Hell a good a booth cruise. It was a good Friday night. Um, I'll throw this. I had a mojito for the very first time this weekend, mm-hmm. and they've been hyped up. You know this this crew that I hang around with a lot. You know they love them. They drink them all the time. They're perfect for the beach. This or that. They are maybe the worst thing I've ever put my lips on. <laughs> I, I don't know. And just hearing you describe the Alabama Slammer. Anytime I see somebody mixing in one, two, three alcohols into a drink, I'm immediately like, I'm out. It, it doesn't. It, I just don't understand. And when and here's what cracks me up about people who drink these things. You say a quote unquote tasted delicious. It did. Basically, what that means is you could choke it down. There's no way that this thing was super good. No, I'm telling you, it was really good. Oh, it, was, no, it was fruity. Yeah, they're good. It's good. Yeah, when you when you mix in a good um, a couple good mixers. I don't know. I, I not that I drink mixed drinks all that much, but you have a good one. Mojitos are good. Do you not like mint? Yeah, that might be that might be what it is. It's just the the alcohol, the vodka, the chunks of fruit in it. I it just is not not for me. It's not for me. It's a little bit too you know fruity. I just tend st- tend to stick to the seltzers. Just give me the seltzers. That's what I like. It's light on your stomach. Uh, I'm not gonna spend thirty minutes making it and mixing it around, hoping that it turns out right. I know exactly what I'm drinking every time. Just give me that. Uh, my like rebuttal to that would be, you know, White Claws or Trulies or whatever you're drinking. If you want to try and catch a good buzz, like you know, on yeah. a booze cruise or have a have a good night, you got to drink like ten of those things. You make a couple good mixed drinks, two or three, and you're you're feeling pretty good. So right, that's the one thing. You're right on, Matt. And the other thing is, there are so many different cocktail concoctions out there that they're it's kind of fun to to try a new one out you know and say yeah i like that and, and like you said it doesn't take much to where you're in a pretty good mood yeah i guess what i would say the way i drink it is basically i don't drink things for taste if i'm trying to get messed up just give me a shot you know give me the one second of something tasting terrible with a little bit of a chaser behind it and that's the way i'll do it ought to be uh, young do you, so with the number sixty five kind of scrolling across your birthday dial on facebook is it is there what what, what are you feeling well, number one, I don't feel a heck of a lot different than 64, <laughs> but the reality sits in, you know. Let's face it, not getting any younger. I mean, you know, I'm in the bottom of the sixth inning now is yeah. the way I look at, look at it with innings. And uh, <laughs> I feel good. Yep. I feel good. Uh, you know, I do have retirement in my, uh, in my windshield right now. I'm looking yep. at it at the end of this year, full-time job. And, uh, but, you know, the number 65, it's okay. It's okay. I'm I'm okay with it. You know, it, it was it was kind of nice to get to that milestone. You know, it could be worse. The the thing that really makes me think about it, my dad has a 65 year old son. Think about that. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's crazy when you when you look at things that way. Because one of my sisters uh, just had her birthday over the weekend, and she turned 40. And so, like from my perspective, you know, she's one of my big sisters. It's wild to think of one of my big sisters being 40. Yeah. But then it just makes me think, like, yeah, I, I must be pretty close to 42. So, <laughs> no, when you think of stuff that way, because I'm, I'm sure my parents are thinking the same thing, that one of their daughters is now 40. Like, so, yeah, it is crazy when you think of it like that. Absolutely. You know, and then talking about uh, the elderly, it did have, as part of my birthday week, and I don't want to 
take up all this time, but I've got to kind of recap it a little bit. On Saturday night, a couple members of the 47 Corona Cavalier football team was at uh, Jared's dad's house, John's house, and sharing some old war stories along with a 52 grad. Uh, the Strigo boys were up there with uh, my dad, Bud, and uh, boy, some of the stories they were they were telling, it was it was fun to just listen to, you know, and, and they still, they're not so so good physically but mentally they're there they and you know when you think about it you're asking me how how i feel at 65 i still remember things from kindergarten and grade school and they still do you know and they're in they're 90 91 so it it was kind of cool listening to old stories about the old football days and some of the other sports stories they shared so that was kind of fun saturday night sunday sunday was my actual birthday I didn't do anything. I just chilled out, I, watched a movie. I watched uh, Chris Pratt's new movie, uh, The Tomorrow I'll War. I'll say, I mean, the worst day to have a birthday is a Sunday. Yeah. yeah. One, you don't get, like, you're not at work where everyone's kind of, you know, getting you the birthday cake and True. saying what's up to you at your cubicle. Sunday, you got work the next day. You can't really draw up a worse birthday day. Yeah, when it comes to that, you're right. But then again, you know, for the, for the kind of present I wanted, and Matt, we've talked about it before, like on Father's Day, this was a day that I just felt like doing nothing, and I did nothing. <laughs> but, but I will say this, you know, kind of to segue into sports we'll be getting into, I mean, it was a great day, great day to have some sports on the tube. You had the Wimbledon men's final. You had the Euro Cup that ended up in a shootout with Italy winning. Uh, the Tigers and Twins went extra innings, even though the Twins won that one and swept out the Tigers. And uh, the NBA Game 3 was Sunday night. So, yep. so the day itself wasn't all bad. I was, I was going to say, like, Sunday's not the worst day. I mean, I'm thinking of, like, from my experience or whatever, like, because you get to have all your good fun and everything on Saturday, go out or, you know, do whatever you're going to do. And then, right, maybe the Sunday to celebrate your birthday is just chilling or having, a you know, a couple family members over, going out to eat or something. The worst day would be, like, a Tuesday or Wednesday. So that's just, like, right dead smack in the middle of your work day. Yeah, you might get, like, a cookie from someone at work or something like that, but, you know, it's right in the middle of your work week. You're not, like, going to go celebrate too much, but... I don't mind Sunday as a birthday. Yeah, you might be onto something there. You know, it was funny that we had on our uh, on our Friday night cruise. One of our friends asked a question: "What's a perfect day in your life?" You know, what what would you say would be perfect? And I had some lame old answer, but my wife she came up large, man. She said, "I think a perfect day is." sitting at home watching a big football game and having a pizza. And I said, that's why I married you, baby. That's a great day. <laughs> yeah, it is a freaking great day. I'll, I'll second that. That's kind of an open question. I'll, I'll throw my answer out right now. Perfect day to me is one, it starts with some sort of, you got to have golf in there. So you get the golf out of the way, 8 a.m. tea time. Good idea. Uh, I'm just going to act like I like wake up like purely like full of energy, uh, which I guess I would have for a perfect day. You got to go golfing after that lunch. Uh, this is where I would go like American style, you know, burgers, fries. Then from there, you know, maybe a day, day drinking, you know, whether you're on oh. the boat or a pontoon or whatever, uh, dinner, you got to have the pizza, like you said. Um, and I think like what, what, uh, my Atlanta said is college football, college football Saturdays are just about as perfect of a day as you can draw. You are right. It really is. I, so just give me a college football Saturday and I'm pretty much content. Yeah. I, I kind of have like two different answers. I, I would be thinking of like like letting loose Matt where I want to wake up and have like a huge nice breakfast. And then, like you said, college football Saturday where, where like either Michigan plays at noon. So you're tailgating all morning, you watch the Michigan game at noon and then there's some other big games at night. You kind of chill for a few hours and then you go back out at night. Like I just think of those nights in Ann Arbor where like you kind of go chill during the three o'clock game and then you ramp it back up for night and go back out or whatever. 
those are like some of the best days of my life when we're like tailgating all morning, you watch Michigan at noon, and then you maybe like lay around watching the three o'clock games, and then you kind of wake back up and get back going for the seven o'clock, and then going out to the bars after those games. Like that's just like a perfect day. But then the other side of that would be like waking up, and you guys know I love the beach. The first thing I thought of was like being like with all my family and everyone, and like going to the beach and just hanging out doing whatever not worrying about what time it is just chilling on the beach eating good food yep. and having a few drinks on the water and stuff i think both of those sound pretty perfect to me is there any sort of update on the uh baby boy coming soon the name name situation or is that you're still keep playing pretty it pretty early. close to the uh vest yeah i don't know how these things work yeah i mean i yeah probably some people wait until until the baby comes out mm-hmm. to decide we've thrown out yeah we, we're thinking um wesley is the one we're throwing right. out uh, Hudson is one we've thrown out. Tyler. Okay. Um, the the whole junior thing, though, I don't know. I'm not really feeling the Matt. Matt really? It, it's still it's in the back of my mind, but I'm not really feeling that, though. Yeah. Well, those are all very solid names, so I'm sure you and Kelly will figure it all out, and we look forward to hearing the official announcement. Now, before we move on to our next segment, Matt, do you have anything uh, big that happened this last weekend? Any Anything you can pass on on your catch-up? Not anything, I don't know, just normal hanging out stuff. Nothing, mm-hmm. no 65-year-old birthdays or getting chased by mosquitoes, nothing like that. So, so, so in other words, you went to the beach uh, again. <laughs> it's, it's probably what happened this weekend. We, we did go to the pool a couple times. So not the beach, <laughs> Every but the time. Pool, yeah. Nothing <laughs> wrong with that. I love it. All right, we'll be back and uh, talk a little NBA and maybe some other sports here in just a moment. But first, take a listen to this. Advanced Elevator Company have the very best trained professional field technicians and project management team for installations, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest. Centrally located with world headquarters in the heart of Owasso, Michigan, the Jankas are longtime huge supporters of the Corona Public Schools and, might I add, just local legends in general. Advanced Elevator Company, area business leaders, and a longtime member of the Shiawassee Regional Chamber of Commerce. Tinkered Sportswear provides a good product at a great value. The area's go-to clothing and more printing store with many loyal customers, 100% guaranteed to satisfy your expectations. Tinkered Sportswear always has Karana, Owasso, and St. Paul School Spirit items in stock. Special items are available for family, sports, business, and charity events. Call 989-725-2979, stop into the store on Exchange Street in downtown Owasso, and follow them on Facebook at hankered.sportswear. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is Shiawassee County's only licensed mortgage broker, lender, and servicer. That means you get exclusive products not found anywhere else. If you are looking to purchase a home or refinance a home in Florida, Hawaii, or Michigan, stop what you're doing and give Success Group Mortgage and Servicing a call. 989-720-4380. That's 989-720-4380. This is the statistic that's been thrown out a lot uh, today on on Sports Talk Radio. and It's kind of glaring, and it's hard to ignore, uh, especially when you look at the free throw disparity last night. Giannis shoots 17 free throws. The Suns shoot 16. Uh, And the statistic I, I alluded to was Scott Foster. Whenever he is the head referee of a Chris Paul playoff game, Chris Paul is 0 and 12. Now, I know a lot of people, Ted, you're the old geezer. You're probably thinking how, oh, well, you know, it wasn't because of the referees. It wasn't this or that. How do you not, uh, kind of take a look at sort of the correlation between 
oh, the Suns are up 2-0. This is a must-win game for Milwaukee. If the NBA wants the series to keep kind of rolling on, oh, let's put Scott Foster, who is kind of notorious against the flopping and this and that's basically exactly how Chris Paul plays. We're going to make him the head official, and wouldn't you know it, big free throw disparage. Uh, the game is kind of officiated not that great. Basically, Giannis was able to kind of do whatever the heck he wanted down low. He's crazy plowing over Jay Crowder and getting a block call on Jay Crowder. So maybe I'm making excuses for the whole Chris Paul Suns thing. Maybe I'm getting nervous that the momentum is totally swinging Milwaukee's way, which I never thought would happen. But I, how do you not point out the refereeing as a problem in game three? So I, I kind of have a few things to say that the whole record of game, like you just threw out the 0-12 games that he's refereed of Chris Paul, that's just insane. Like that. <laughs> I don't know how you can't see that and not at least be like, eh, that's kind of strange. Like if it was 0-2 <laughs> yeah. or 1-4, and 4, it's like, yeah, whatever. 0-12, that's kind of like, that's noteworthy. So that is definitely weird. And like whenever I hear refs say, like, no, we, we go into these games unbiased. We don't see who's on each team or, you know, we don't take a rooting interest. Like these, these guys are human. Like yeah. you have to know if he doesn't like the flopping, like you said. And Chris Paul kind of has a tendency or he's known for being a flopper. Some of that, those, those things have to be in their back of their mind. Or if there's someone who, like, doesn't like LeBron for some reason, you know, or something like that. Yeah. These guys are human, kind of like with umpires. If, you, if umpires in baseball have a pitcher who's constantly complaining about strikes, you know that's going to affect their, the way that they call a game. So I always think about that, too. But the thing with Giannis, he, he's like Shaq in the sense, I'm not comparing him to Shaq, but he's like Shaq in the sense that, like, you, you could have called a foul probably almost every time Shaq had the ball, like back in the day. Because yeah. every time he got the ball on the, on the block, dudes were hacking his arm, dudes were shoving him, dudes were trying not to let him get a shot up. So, yeah, of course he was going to shoot a ton of free throws. It's kind of the same with Giannis. His game is really like just trying to like drive to the hoop and dunk over people or out athletic people, even a great guy like Jay Crowder or whatever. Like, so you see the video of when he would have the ball like in the post or driving to the lane. He was getting fouled every time. There probably were 10 other times he got fouled and they didn't call it. So, I, so like, when I see that and, like, Monty Williams, the Suns coach, was kind of, you know, complaining about that a little bit. It's like, well, tell your guys to stop following Giannis. Like, if you don't want them to call the fouls, stop following them so much. Yeah, and both your guys' points are well taken. I mean, there is the human element. And on top of what you said, Matt, I mean, think about it. They're going to Milwaukee. The place is going absolutely crazy. I mean, that's why they say that teams have a home court advantage. You know, referees do get influenced by the fans and, you know, what's going on. Now, whether he has a personal vendetta against uh, Paul, I don't know. But it's understandable. And we'll probably see a little bit different game here. You think the the whole momentum has switched, Jared, in one game? Here's one is Giannis is – one, he's just an incredible player. Well, he's on I mean, fire right he's now. He's on fire. <laughs> uh, the Suns have no – there's, like, what's going to change between today and tomorrow and the day after that that's going to have them shut down Giannis? I mean, they have no Saric, so they're already, you know, very depleted at the that at hurts. the post position. Like, And they really don't have a guy that's going to be able to guard him. I mean, I guess Aiton, uh, but even that, it's like, I don't see it. Jay Crowder, like, they just don't have a good matchup for this guy. And so if you have a guy who's going to score 40-plus every single time he steps on the court against you, how do you not think the momentum swings? And just the, the absolute way they – and now I know a lot of it is, like, desperation, and they needed that game, so, yeah, they're going to throw all their chips on the table. 
But it just looked like a totally different team. And they've done this series after series where at the first game, maybe the first two games, they look terrible. And then I don't know if it's Budenholzer, uh, whatever the heck's going on behind his hair. Uh, maybe he has some big brain and he's just making these incredible adjustments between, you know, the start of the series and the middle to the end of the series. But I'm I'm nervous. Wow. As a Chris Paul fan, I'm nervous because he's done all this work to get to this point, and it'd just be a damn shame if it's all just taken away. Uh, I just see, I see Matt probably laughing behind the phone right now. Uh, <laughs> if it all is basically for naught, and they still end up blowing a two-zero lead, I, I would have to, I would love it if they blew the lead and everyone was like starting to anoint Chris Paul, greatest point guard ever. He's finally going to get his ring. Yeah, I would think it was pretty funny if they blew a two-zero lead. But I'm not, I'm not going all the way to saying like momentum shifted because this happens all the time. Like the home team wins the first two, and then. The, the other team goes back to their home court and wins game three. Like, that happens all, so often, and then maybe, who knows, the Suns are going to win the next two, and, it, you know, no one even thinks about uh, the Bucks winning game three. But I don't know if it was necessarily, like, a huge adjustment or just your, your guy Budenholzer said they can't, like, kind of like what you said, they can't stop Giannis. They don't yeah. really have someone who can match up with him, so we're going to live and die with him, whether he actually makes his free throws or, like, last night – or, well, last thing he did make them, and so you're, like, living with those. So, like, I almost feel like you're just roll with the honest. And if he has a great game, we're probably going to win. And if he doesn't, you hope Middleton or someone else steps up. But I don't know if it was, like, some great adjustment they made or if they just said, the honest is on you. Go win us these games. And he, he's been playing well. Yeah, I just sit back. I have no horse in the race. I don't care. I just want to see some good basketball. I mean, Giannis had 42 in game two, and the Suns won that one. So it's not just a right. one, one-man one team can be the difference. That's why they have home court. Phoenix still has home court. I'm not going to get too worried about it, if, even if the Bucks wins the next game and it goes back to Phoenix. you know, We'll see what happens. But being a CP3 fan, as you are, I guess I could see you're nervous. <laughs> it's just – well, here's the biggest problem is I, I just remember making the note last night when I'm watching – they had 18 more points in the paint at halftime. I don't know what that number ended up being. If I had to guess, probably around 30. Uh, but whenever you're doing that, it just it takes in a series like this where you're talking about like the home court advantage and you know the role players showing up, not showing up. If you're just scoring all your points in the paint, a lot of that variance isn't there. So it seems like you know Matt, like you said, I don't know if it's just a switch in Budenholzer or Giannis's head where, man, I can just go to the paint every single time, and that's what Giannis was saying in the post game. Basically, all he was thinking the entire game was get downhill. Uh, and when, you know, a guy like him or LeBron is going full force at you, you know, it's a business decision. Do you want to take a charge or are you just going to kind of let him do whatever he wants? And I'm not going to blame the Suns for saying, you know, I'm just going to let him do what he wants. I mean, it's the guy's a business huge. business decision. I like that. Yeah, it's, I, <laughs> I mean, they, they kind of kind of let him do what he wants because he still shot, what, like 17 free throws? So yeah. they, were, they were letting him do what he wants, but they were still trying to put him to the line. Just last night, he actually made his free throws. So that, that strategy didn't work. Well, it looks like we got a series anyway. Yeah, that's what we were hoping for. I, I will, and I'm glad that he is making his free throws. I'll be the first to say it. I am so sick of the free throws and making or missing of them being the major storylines. It's been, it's like with Ben Simmons, we saw it with Giannis. Now it's seemingly is like he's figured it out. But oh my gosh, it, it the game should not be decided on the free throw line. And I'm just glad that but, it's not for once. You would have absolutely hated watching the heyday of Hackashack then. Yeah. Because until, until they change that rule where you can't foul less than two minutes or whatever, you know, the rule is, it was it was damn near unwatchable because teams, that's what they would do. They would just hackish, they would foul Shaq to the point where he shot, I think he has a record in the finals game, he shot like 38 free throws in a finals Dude. game. 
because you're, you would just follow him to the point too, where the Lakers or the Heat, whoever they would have to take him out at the end of the game because your new teams were just going to follow. So, I, you know, I definitely know what you're saying, but then at the same time, learn to make your damn free throws. So make your free throws, and it's not an issue. Absolutely. Boogity, 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 let's go racing. The Owasso Speedway has been building families and communities through the promotion of short track racing since 1939. That's almost as long as you've been alive, Ted. Saturdays are race days at the Big O with gates opening at 4. Qualifying begins at 5 with the green flag waved and racing at 7. The Owasso Speedway's 3 8 of a mile oval high bank layout is super fast, providing thrills and action galore. Easy to get to on M21 between Owasso and Ovid. Stay up to date on upcoming features by following the Owasso Speedway on Facebook at Owasso Speedway MI. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our area. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. Unique service representing unique lives, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. Founded in 1880 and continuing the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, find them at nelson-house.com or call 989-723-5234. Well, let's uh, let's move on from basketball to baseball. And as I mentioned, we gave the Tigers quite a bit of love last podcast, and it just shit on us that they got <laughs> swept by the Twins. So let's hope the All Star break does them a little good. But there is, go ahead. Well, I'll just say because I remember at the beginning of the year we did sort of a, a little rip on the Tigers. You know, maybe a month into the season, and this mm-hmm. is when they were like nine and twenty-four. Right after that, they turned around the season and went on this big, you know, not necessarily winning streak, but winning record. Yes. We do the podcast talking about how they're good. Series right after that, they go 0-3. I mean, I hate to say it, but we might have jinxed them in the wrong direction, whereas last time we jinxed them in the right direction. <laughs> well, the big story was the draft, you know, and, and the Tigers are young. They got holes to fill. We all know that. Uh, and you look at their roster. It's not the strongest roster in Major League Baseball, but I can't believe the fan uproar about picking this uh, Jackson Job, the the high school pitcher, yeah. Number, you know, they're number three overall and they're number one pick. I mean, you guys got thoughts on that at all? Well, I think the the big one was, I mean, he's from high school, and these high school pitchers, really, any baseball player, the, the MLB draft is such a crapshoot yeah. more than any other sport. But even more like with high school players that you're drafting, you have absolutely no clue what they're going to do at the next level. At least, at least college players, you've seen them pitch or play at the next level, at the college level. High school pitchers, you have. No idea what's going to happen. But the big thing was there was a shortstop out of high school. His last name is Meyer, and he's supposed to be, like, the, the best, prospect, best prospect in the draft. Like, the yeah. next Troy Tulowitzki, five-tool player, like, the all-around best player in the draft. And he was maybe going to go number one. So when things shook out, and all the reports before were, if this kid gets to number three, he's not picking, making it past number three, you know, where the Tigers were. And then they picked this pitcher out of nowhere who people weren't even, some of them weren't even projecting he was going to be a top 10 pick. And the, the Tigers the past five years with Avila have been drafting pitcher after pitcher after pitcher. Even this draft, they drafted 10 pitchers and only three position players. So it's like, I mean, how many times are you going to draft pitchers? So like at some point you have to try and build the middle infield or something. I think that was the big uproar. Yeah, I'm not sure if, if they're just going to try to go in the free agency route this offseason and try to sign a shortstop that way. I don't necessarily – one, it is kind of crazy that we're even, like, talking about it because, like you said, Matt, it's such a crapshoot. To be honest, I this is the first, like, draft that I even paid attention to whatsoever. Um, 
But with that being said, I don't ever hate taking the big swing on a pitcher like this this kid from out of high school. It sounds like he's got like a crazy slider, a lot of like, you know high ninety fast. Yeah, ball. like just potential superstar potential. I don't hate taking a swing on it. Well, here, here's my take on that. I mean, what's the difference? You take a high school pitcher or a high school shortstop, I mean, the, they're in the same boat, aren't they? I mean, maybe, but I think the, the strategy would be they've been drafting pitchers for the last five years. So it's yeah. kind of like, it'd be like a, like the Cleveland Browns. Like, I mean, I guess it's worked out with them with Baker Mayfield, but it's like yeah. the Cleveland Browns constantly drafting quarterbacks. Yeah. You miss on quarterbacks. Swing and miss on quarterbacks. Swing and miss on quarterbacks. That's kind of what the Tigers have been doing. But now you do see a couple of these pitchers are looking good. So it's almost like, okay, cool, you you hit on a couple of these pitchers. Why not start addressing some of these other positions? So, like you said, Jared, maybe they're going to go the free agent route or maybe they're even going to use this kid, you know, they're going to let him pitch in the minors for a year or two and then he's just going to be trade bait in, you know, a year or yeah. two. Maybe it's going to be something like that. But, I mean, I'm not like, I'm not mad about it because, right, that, I mean, kind of like what you were saying, Jared, you know, he's, you kind of swing for the fences and hope maybe this dude's the next Max Scherzer or something like that. But it's just kind of weird because the whole thing was the shortstop was supposed to be like the next great prospect coming up, and you had a chance to take him. So what? just another head-scratcher from Avila, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, one thing that does crack me up about <laughs> in my research of this kid his ERA is like point one zero one three. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like basically he's never given up a scored run. <laughs> I, it's just crazy. It's crazy to me. I can't imagine playing against him in high school. It's yeah. you're you're not touching him. I'm o- and I'll just finish it with this. I'm okay with them drafting pitcher after pitcher because the name of the game is pitching. I mean, yeah, they can go free agency and get infielders, outfielders. I mean. And they can use these young pitchers as trade bait, like you said, what, Matt. So I'm okay with it. What, one thing that came up, uh, I was talking to my dad. You know, usually he asked me, like, hey, what are you guys talking about on the show today, this or that? Uh, the MLB All-Star Game, it's coming up. Uh, we had it written down in our notes. But here's something I've always wondered, and I guess I never understood the full MLB schedule. Uh, the fact that basically you just never, ever play teams in the, uh, in the you know, if you're American League, you never play National League. You, if you're National League, you never play American League, other than maybe a few series Never a used year. to. Never used to Never at used all. to at all. Now it's only a few series. So I guess my complaint is I, I don't hate the idea of never, ever playing, you know, the other division. Uh, I hate the idea of what it is right now, which is essentially you never play them, but you play a few series. Either let's open up this Major League scheduling to you play every team the same amount, or let's go back to what it used to be, which is you never, ever play. I, I, I see the appeal to both sides, but let's do one or the other, not this little halfway in, halfway out crap that we're doing right now. I think the, the interleague play was definitely put in to try and spark some fan interest, you know, because there, there were some, you know, like the, the Tigers play the Pirates a lot. Yeah. And I think they were thinking about, like, two cities that are fairly close, you know, Detroit and Pittsburgh, so the fan bases could travel and if you if you went the one way where they never played each other, then yeah, you would you would never see that matchup. But now you know every once in a while maybe Detroit fans have a have a an excuse to go to Pittsburgh and watch a game, or the other way around. So I kind of like it. I'm I'm in the boat that they, I I don't like the rules being different where AL gets a DH and NL has to have their pitchers hit. I think that's the worst thing ever. That like creates such a disadvantage for one way or the other. If you happen to have a good a pitcher who can actually hit, okay, that's cool. But, like, if, if you have someone like Justin Verlander who could barely swing a bat yeah. or some of these other guys, then, you know, it just sets you up at a disadvantage. I mean, so that's why you build your roster that way because you know you might have a DH or something. But I just think I think it's just so messed up. I think you just need to go either everyone gets a DH 
or everyone has to have their pitcher sit. And that's kind of where I stand I, on I that. Agree, I agree with you on that. And I used to be old school, and I, I wasn't a big fan of the DH, but I, I've, I've swung that around now. I think the National League should go to the DH. That should be a universal rule in baseball. It would make it uh, – it would just make it better. It's, just, it's so weird to me that, like – and I, I'm not saying that hitting Major League pitching is easy by any means, but, like – at some point, these players could hit, you know, whether even if it was all the way back in high school, everyone has to hit in high school. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're good enough to play in college or make his majors, you, you had to be able to hit at some point. So it's just crazy, like, how, yeah. like, I guess you get to a point in college where you stop taking batting practice because you know you're going to be a starting pitcher or something. So, like, it's just, it, I know major league pitchers are insanely talented, but, like, some of these dudes, these pitchers, when they go up to hit, look like they've never picked yeah. up a bat in their life <laughs> so I, I sometimes i'm just like can you really not even like make contact with the ball you're a major league player what are you doing yeah i agree that the, the rule it should be changed uh to dh one thing you just gotta kind of you just like damn i wish that show how is otani not in the right league where he could pitch and then also be in the lineup like as the as the cleanup hitter it sucks that he ended up in the american league um but with that being said, he is kind of the craziest thing that I just think is awesome. I'm so behind this guy. He's starting pitching for the All-Star game on Thursday, and he's also the leadoff batter. Yeah. I, I mean, just, it's it, awesome. And he's listed as DH, too, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yep. so, do you think that the All-Star game is sort of basically what my dad, to bring it full circle, my dad was saying that the only oh, All-Star game isn't what it used to be because it used to be these guys never, ever saw each other. Now that, that they do play each other every once in a while, it's just not the same. I don't really care. I've always thought, I think everyone kind of agrees with this, it's the best All-Star game of the bunch because of, you know, sort of the care at the end that you get the home field advantage. Um, So I don't think the All-Star game needs any fixing at all. I think baseball, it is what it is, and personally, it's the one that I think is the best. Here's the generational difference, I think, and I'm kind of with your dad on that one. When, Well, look, I'm 65, right? And I'm a baseball fan, but I'm not the diehard baseball fan I was when I was, you know, a 14, 15-year-old yeah. kid. I mean, there was a great article I read online from Tim Kirchin of ESPN, ironically yep. enough there, Matt. And he, he wrote a really, really good article about the All-Star game that took place 50 years ago, 1971, in Detroit at Tiger Stadium. That game had over 20 Hall of Fame players. You know, you think of uh, Willie Mays and Hank Aaron and Roberto Clemente. I mean, the list goes on and on. Al Kaline at home. Uh, Mickey Lolich got the last out as Pete Rose was in the on-deck circle. I go back to my youth, you know, when I was younger, and I knew every damn player on that all-star roster. If I look, I, I looked it up today. I bet a little over a third of the players, I actually know who they are. The rest yeah. of them, I don't even know who they are. It's, it's Maybe it's a sad statement for me following sports, but it's, it's just not the same. And I think it's that generational thing when I lived and breathed baseball when I was younger. The all-star game was like the event of the midsummer it's still good you know they they pack in now the home run derby which they didn't have back in those days but i think your dad is on to something where this is where the leagues played each other and they never played each other during the regular season and it was a great showcase for both and back in those days the american league won that game in 71 but the national league had won like 14 straight before that yeah showing how good they were yeah i mean i i think I mean, yeah, I guess you probably maybe don't follow baseball like you used to, but there's probably plenty of people who know every player on these rosters. Mm-hmm. You know? So I'm kind of the same way. Like I, when I looked at the rosters, there were definitely a few that I had no idea who they were. And some of the stars opted out. You know, I think that happens 
a little more nowadays. Some of the guys that got get voted in, they, you know, they say they're not going to play. They just want to rest or whatever. But as far as like, I think hey, I'm just I, I think NF, or the NBA is still my favorite sport, probably. So that that All Star game is still my favorite. It gets yeah. a little too like they're just screwing around. You know, like when the score ends up being 180 to 170, that it gets to be a little too much. But kind of like to your point about the 71 All-Star game in the major leagues, all the Hall of Famers, that's kind of yeah. how I see the All-Star game in the NBA. Like all of these dudes, at least that season, these are all the best players in in the game mm-hmm. on one court at the same time. So like as for an NBA fan, that's why I just I could watch the NBA All-Star game over and over. I like the MLB All-Star game because like you said, Jared, there's actually a little carrot that they're dangling. There, it is actually competitive. You know, the pitchers are going out there. The pitchers don't want to get shown up, and the hitters want to try and you know hit home runs and stuff for the fans. So it is actually competitive. And then obviously the whole home field advantage for the World Series is is a big deal yeah. too. So as far as that goes, the MLB All Star Game. If you appreciate baseball, even if you're a very casual fan, it it is pretty cool because these are these are the best players in the world, and especially when you got the Shehei Otani thing going mm-hmm. on where he's pitching and batting. Stuff like that is really cool. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. That part is, I, I give you. And, I, you know, would you say, Matt, then just to wrap up your thought, you're more of an NBA all-star guy than Major League Baseball? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I still I love – I'm going to watch – I've got the, the Home Run Derby on right in front of me right now. They're about to get going. At the Home Run Derby is super, super cool. I still love the MLB all-star game. But just being an NBA fan, like when you can put – all those guys on the court at the same time, Giannis, LeBron, Steph Curry, they're all on the court at the same time. I just, I love to see it. Yeah. I wish, I just wish they would, but they're out there to have fun. They're out, yeah. they're out there to have fun. So I get it. I kind of wish they would take it a little more serious than just the last two minutes of the fourth quarter. I'm glad, I'm glad you but, clarified that because to me, and yeah, the last couple minutes they do start playing, but the rest of the game, it's more like the Harlem Globetrotters to me, you know, which is still pretty cool. Yeah, still I mean, right. you can't, I, I watch it every year, uh, probably more than I watch the MLB All Star Game. Mm-hmm. Um, when you said the whole like, I remember I know all these baseball players on the All Star team. I was thinking like, I the way it's kind of crazy at our jo- at my job is one of the kind of the busy work jobs that I do have is you have to go back through and watch all the old you know Pistons games or mm-hmm. from the the season and and log what happened on every play. Right. Oh wow. Okay. And I do I love doing the basketball ones because. I know every single player that's ever, that's like, you know even if it's the tenth man or the ninth man I know all the guys so I don't have to pull up the rosters I don't have to look, every time something happens I don't have to look up who the heck is this guy whereas MLB I don't know any of these guys like right. you said and where basically even a lot of the sometimes the Tigers players I'm like right. well, I'm not totally sure that this is who this is and so I have to look that up so it's just crazy it sounds like almost like it's changed entirely that that's now the NBA is that for kids whereas it so. used to be the baseball when you were a kid sure sounds like it for I'll, sure. I was yeah, I was gonna say that too. I think maybe I, you know you you pointed out Ted that maybe you're not as big of a fan as you used to be, but I think it's definitely a switch. You would be the one to know that. I mean, you know, baseball is always America's game and you know America's pastime and all that. I think baseball is just not as big as it used to be overall in this country, and that's probably part of it too. Wouldn't you say? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. I agree with you. I mean, I still I'm still a baseball guy. I love the game of baseball. I love going to baseball. But yeah, there's no doubt about it. The NBA has passed them by as far as I think fan interest for sure. You know, especially the younger like gen- the younger generation, right? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and I, I probably probably a big part of that is. I mean, this would be like we could have another 15 minutes on this. Would be like the whole the social media aspect of it. I think is big when you think of NBA versus. 
MLB, you got, I mean, LeBron and Steph Curry and some of these other dudes have millions and millions of followers and, like, so you know, the younger yeah. generation being on social media, you see these NBA players and commercials all over Instagram, all over Twitter and Facebook and stuff. I mean, we're talking about Shohei Otani being maybe one of the best players ever getting compared to Babe Ruth. And unless you kind of pay attention to sports, I don't think anyone would really even know who he is. Even like a guy like Mike Trout, his teammate, has won multiple MVPs and is definitely you know one of the top two or three players in the league. And probably most people, if you just saw a picture of him, you wouldn't even really know who he is. Well, it's a perfect it's analogy. It's crazy to think about that, too. Perfect analogy because, I mean, think about Major League Baseball or think about the NBA. I mean, when you're watching uh, ESPN or you're watching a sporting event or even regular television, you're seeing a commercial, you got Aaron Rodgers in football, or you got CP3, State Farm, right? Who do you see in Major League Baseball in a national ad yeah, campaign? Really none. Really none. No. <laughs> not, least, not off top, the problem is, even if there are some, it's not coming to any of our heads off the top of our heads. So. Right, and that changed because baseball used to be the marquee sport. I mean, Mickey Mantle, Willie Mays, these guys had all big national endorsements, and you just don't see it like you used to. Wow. Well, we're going to have a little bit it's of funny. a long— I was, was going to say, just real quick, I have to comment on Jared saying that he's logging games. It's funny to hear that because I know— PA's at ESPN. That's always one of their things. You yeah. know, they'll do all these highlights. Sports Center will be done. It'll be one or two in the morning. But the PA's have to stay and log those games. Yeah. Even if it's a four-hour Dodgers game or a three and a half-hour, you know, whatever NBA game, sitting there logging every single play. But that's important because ten ten months from now, six months, whatever. If all of a sudden there's like, man, I really want this one Jeremy Grant play, or I really want this. When you can search that and it's logged properly. That's an important job. It's yeah. good you're, you're doing that, Jared. <laughs> so you guys are the, the pros. Tell our listeners a little bit what you're talking about. Are you talking about so, that you're going through each game video and marking the time when so a certain play happens? Let's say so, so a lot of people uh, will ask me, like, hey, like, you know, like a season, let's do a season, like, let's say a season recap of Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go through and have to watch like all uh, all of his games and try to find his best plays? Like that's what you might no, think happens. Not. So this database basically, as long as somebody had gone through and watched, you know, all these games, like you, you kind of stay on top of it. You know, throughout the season, you go through and, and mark all these plays and what happened during them. All I have to do is go into the search bar, search Kevin Durant three pointer. All of his three pointers will come into wow. this thing, and you can just go through and you know go to the date or whatever if you want one from this specific game. Go to the date, against a click on it, against a certain whatever. team, click on it. Awesome. Uh, from the wing, from yeah. you can do like all this different sort of stuff. All of his corner threes, all of his threes from the top of the key. So it's pretty awesome, and that makes your job, like Matt said, it's very important because it helps you big time. Yeah, like it, it used to be. It's it, this is like that going down another little rabbit hole here, but it's crazy how different it is now um, because everything's like digitized. Everything's you know on computers. So right, like let's just say something really like yeah, if you want to look up Kevin Durant three, boom, here's all of his threes. But if there was something even more specific, like man, there was this game where Draymond Green really like fouled Kevin Durant hard. Can't remember when it was, but if the person logging it properly logged and said hard foul on from Draymond Green on Kevin Durant, you know, however they worded yeah. it, then you could just look that up, and then boom, the play's right there for you, and then you've got it. You don't have to go searching through all these games or stuff like that. So that's why it's big. But, like, what what's even, like, crazier now is, like, when you search those plays, like, that play or at least that game will come up. So there it is. But, like, at ESPN, and I'm sure it's, it's the same at, at Valley Sports, you know, Fox yeah. Sports Detroit, um, but there's a whole tape library. 
and they've gone through and now they've started to put all these tapes on on the computer they digitize them all but you gotta think like before the mid 2000s or you know 2008 2009 somewhere around there everything was still on tape like literally everything was still on tape so there's this warehouse basically every tape you can think of like ted this would be like your your field of dreams basically like every sporting event ever all these tapes so what you would do you would look that up like man what what was that game where kirk gibson hit like he went four for four and had three home runs or something you'd look that up and it would give you a tape number you'd have to go down to the tape library and then you'd have to go check that tape out and then you'd take it to the the tape room and you'd have to scroll through this whole tape and find that time code so it's just it's stuff that like that's the stuff that when i got hired at espn i was like this is some cool shit like this is this is pretty cool that i have at my disposal every sporting event that's ever ever happened and i can sit here and watch it that's awesome as long as as long as they're all logged properly you gotta log them it makes the job a lot easier well you know it's and you talk about a rabbit hole but i think our listeners you know it's good for us to maybe check in because i'm a curious guy and i don't know how these things go on but it it makes sense what you're talking about both of you and a little look at what goes on in a production is amazing because it looks so effortless when it's presented on television but you got to go through a lot It's not, but yeah, like, and like it's the, kind of like what, sorry, Jared, kind of like what you said last week, how you could work three or four hours on this twenty-second little clip. It's kind of the same thing, like when you're watching, you know, the pregame of the NBA Finals or the pregame of a Tigers game, and there's this quick twenty, thirty-second B-roll of Miguel Cabrera's hits or Kevin Durant's threes, and like to you watching at home, it's just like, oh, cool, there's a bunch of threes, or there's a bunch of Steph Curry hitting threes. But you don't think about that some PA or, like, some editor or someone had to spend, like, two hours or something finding all those and yeah. then, like, cutting them up and putting them together and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to leave here, and I'm going to take my reel-to-reel tape recorder with me and go gather <laughs> some interviews. <laughs> all right. Hey, we good stuff, boys. I love it. Uh, we've got a little contest we're going to have coming up next here. We're going to see where we stand on something Jared came up with, and we'll have that right after this. JJ's Excavating and Tree Services can help you with many homeowner items including skid steer work, footings, and gravel work along with property maintenance. JJ's Excavating and Tree Service also experts in tree removals including stump grinding. Fully insured, no job too big or too small. Call Kyle Jones of JJ's at 989-277-9059 to set up a free estimate and tell him 3 Point Podcast sent you. All right, so I'll just throw out the ground rules. This is something that we do sort of around this time, kind of every year with this podcast. You see a lot of shows doing it. You know, It's sort of the dog days. It's all-star break. There's not a whole lot to talk about other than the NBA Finals. So we do a draft, right? And I remember last year around this time, we did a draft of our favorite Detroit athletes, uh, and there was a little bit of a disagreement afterward where basically it was abundantly clear that it was favorite athlete. And then I think it was either, I don't know if it was you, Ted, or Matt, or maybe it was both of you. No, I think it was me. Took it a whole different route and did the best, like the best athletes, not your favorite. Okay. And so so the list ended up being totally mixed around. I double read this, by the way. Yeah. So, I so, think today's, I'm on board. so today's draft is top five favorite sporting events that you wish you could have attended. Uh, and this is a draft. So wait, if, wait, wait, wait a minute. Okay. No, that makes sense. Okay, because I thought you worded it that you were alive for, but I no, guess so no. that would kind of be the same. Anything, so it could, could be, could be it anything. Could be alive, could be able to. Think. I thought you said okay. not alive for. Didn't I, did I, I read did, that wrong? No, I yes, maybe. I don't know but how I meant it was. I didn't know I had to be so damn precise with these emails on how it was <laughs> well, worded. That, no, that's true because I like thinking about Ted being, you know, he, he's sixty-five. 
he was alive for a lot more events, but maybe didn't attend them. I'm thinking of events that happened before I was born. Is kind of what I did. Okay, so it I'll says five sports events we wish we were alive for. That's why I have to go back. <laughs> You're right. Before. Okay, you are correct. Wow. So I'm gonna have to do that, some. That I'm gonna have to. That has to go back to like pre-face mask football. I have to go before 1956, fellas. <laughs> okay, I didn't realize that I said that. Damn it. All right, so maybe I am the root of these problems on these drafts. So do we want to stick with that, or do we want to do all sporting events in general? Because I'll, I'll I think roll it's, with whatever you I think it's do. a better draft if we do sporting <laughs> events in general, which is what I meant uh, when I sent that email this morning. But we, <laughs> but we can go with the original planned outline, and it can be, and I'll just have to be the one that has to adjust. It uh, doesn't matter. I'm you... gonna, I'll, I'll keep my five. I'll, I'll keep my five because I think they're, it, it may not change much, but I'll keep my five that were before I was alive. Okay, so sounds good. Did so too, okay, so I'm I'm the it's okay. So I'm uh, you know what? I'm gonna adjust on the on the fly. I'm gonna be the guy that comes up with stuff that I was not alive for. Okay. All right. So with that being said, one of you two, please take the first pick so I can do some thoughts. Are we going five to number one? Are we gonna start um, with our number five? No. Well, basically, you want to take whatever you think because if I take something that you are going oh. to take, you can't take it. Oh, right. Okay, so you want to put your favorite ones right off the rip. All right. Uh, and we'll do a snake draft. So we'll go you first, then we'll go Matt, and then I'll have two bet picks back to back, and then we'll go back to Matt, back to you. You have two picks. All right. Well, I'm gonna go. Uh, one one thing I did throw out there: it, there has to be at least one Detroit sports moment in your list. So you have to, wherever you want to put it, it just has to be in there. All right. Fair enough. Well, I'm sticking with my pre birth list and uh, i'll just my number one choice will be uh, i would have liked to have been there for jackie robinson's debut that's a cool one so i Wait, think what year what year was that again that was uh in the 40s early 40s i, yeah, I, don't, I, I was okay. gonna say it was in the 40s yeah it okay was pre, cool. it was pre-1956 man the thing that cracks me up about this is okay so you searched the same thing that i searched into google favorite sport sporting events that you wish you could attend attended because that was at the top of one of the lists that right. i it was at. a long list but i picked the ones that i <laughs> right wanted to okay pick. okay that's a good pick I, no you can't argue that yeah. uh Probably be a little bit of a hostile environment, but uh, it'd That's be okay. it's yeah no it's definitely something that if you're there what a moment. Who's second? I'm up next. Yep. Yeah. Now it's Matt. All right, I'm sticking with my pre-birth list. Also, <laughs> uh, number one, number one is kind of uh, see I didn't I didn't rank him number okay I'm gonna go with this for my number one, the '84 uh, Tigers World Series happened. I was born in '84, but in December, so it only happened a couple months before I was born. But um, it's technically legal. Yeah, it's, That's good. Te- technically legal, right? So we haven't seen the Tigers World Series win since then. So I think that would definitely be top on my list. Seeing seeing uh, the Tigers win the World Series would be really cool. Seeing Gibson take Gossage out, yeah, that's a good one. I'm a okay. So my my picks. So back to back. This is a pick that I personally. This is maybe a bit of a pander pick. People seem to go ballistic about this whole Miracle on Ice game. I honestly don't understand what was so cool about it. I get the whole Russia thing, uh, this, that, huge underdog. So maybe it's just something I needed to be in attendance for to truly appreciate. So number one pick, and I know that you, you're probably, this probably was somewhere on Matt's list. Uh, you couldn't pick it, obviously. That's right. Uh, so number one, I'm going Miracle on Ice. Number two, this is a general, just give me any sort of Roman Coliseum, Day at the Coliseum type battle. I want to be in attendance for that. <laughs> It's going to be crazy. It's going to be scary. Um, but what a story you would have leaving Gladly. that they leaving the Coliseum that day. That's uh, a, that's wow. A, that's an was, out of the box one. I like that one. I was going to say, did you just watch Gladiator or something? 
I'm a little bit ashamed to admit how often I think about those those battles that happen in those coliseums. I mean, how do you not think about it? The carnage. It's basically UFC on steroids. Yeah. Really, that's a good one. So now now we go back to Matt. Yep. So back to me. Uh, I was Miracle on Ice was definitely one I would have said because that was before I was born, and I think yeah. I, I don't know. Olympic hockey, just Olympics in general, bring out a different kind of energy. So especially the whole, you know, USA and Soviet Union thing would have been big, and they were massive underdogs. So that, I think that everything involved with that would have been cool. I'm sure Ted has vivid memories of watching that that game. But, oh, yeah. um, so since I can't pick then, then that, that sporting event, I would say it's kind of lumped in. It's not one. It's like an era. I would want to be alive for any of Muhammad Ali's prime boxing matches. I know that's not one, but that whole kind of, whatever, 10 or 15 years, 20 years when Muhammad Ali was like the guy in boxing, that would have been really cool. What uh, This is probably a question for you, Ted. What is the one singular Muhammad Ali? Is it like the Thrilla in Manila or whatever that fight was? Is that kind of what's known as like his best fight, or is it the Sonny Liston? I think, my, to me, it was Sonny Liston. I mean, the the series against Frazier, those were all good matches, but Ali was a little bit past his prime. He was he was 100% prime when he knocked out Sonny Liston. Yeah. Okay. And that's when he made his name, made the transition from right. Cassius Clay to Muhammad Ali and all that. That was a big era. Uh, of Muhammad Ali. Uh, I'm going to keep it on boxing here for my second choice. I'm going to go, again, pre-birth, 1938, when uh, Joe Lewis knocked out Max Schmeling. Uh, You know, I'm kind of here being progressive with Jackie Robinson, now Joe Lewis. You know, Joe Lewis, uh, you know, the American against the German, Hitler's guy, and it was... uh, it was huge when Joe Lewis won that fight. My dad has told me many times he listened to that fight on the radio. Um, you know, it was American pride against the Nazis, and Joe Lewis kept the heavyweight championship for, I think, 12 years. So that's my second pick. And on the snake draft, I get a third one, right? Yep. Okay, I'm going to go kind of along the same lines. Uh, you know, I am, a like I said, progressive guy, and I'm going to keep it in the Hitler world. Uh, I would have loved to have been at the 19... 19- 36 Olympics when Jesse Owens had four gold medals and put it in Hitler's face. Take that, Mr. Nazi. So uh, uh-huh. Jesse Owens, four golds, 1936. Nice. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, that, any, any of those Olympics, I, I think the Olympics would have always been cool to be at. Even now, I, it does seem like they're a little different nowadays, but some of those old Olympic, you know, any, any events would have been cool to be at. Um, my number three trying to think if I want to save it for number three, because I don't know if any of you guys are going to pick it. So, yeah, I'm going to use it at my number three. The 1983 Corona Cavaliers State Championship basketball game. I think that would have been – we've all seen it. I know, Jared, you've seen it a million times by now. Ted, I know, obviously, you saw it live and everything. I've I've seen it quite a few times, too, like on tape. But I think, you know, as much as we love our Cavaliers and the whole community, talking about the community, get behind the team and stuff, I think that would have been a really cool thing to be a part of. It was. Yeah, it, I'm not going to lie, nowhere on my radar. <laughs> nowhere, anywhere near my radar. Yeah, it's a great event, right, Corona? But it's just, how, like, how do I pick that over, you know, the Miracle on Ice? Or, like, it's just, I don't know. Great event. I, I, don't, I can respect the pick. You know, the, the Corona black and gold, the Vegas blood running through you. But I just, it just when you throw it on the graphic, I mean, how do I pick it over, you know, like you said, Jesse Owens winning four golds. Uh, you, did, you did also two two things. You've seen it at nauseum, probably, 
since yeah. you were able to even view television. And also, you did just pick Gladiator. Gladiator type of thing. <laughs> well, like, think about that. that? On your radar? <laughs> think about that. Wow. I mean, what's going to really captivate you? <laughs> Going to one of those coliseums or, oh, this little small town, you know, like Class B. Like, I, just, I, 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 can, I see where you're coming from, but just like I said, not on my radar. Um, my number three pick is this is a close one, and this is a little bit of a pick that, you know, I know no one's going to pick it. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the last day game that was played at Tiger Stadium was 1999, correct? Yes, yes. So I'll – I've you know I've always been the big stand at Tiger Stadium. Why we why did we tear it down? I've seen pictures of this. Uh, I don't even remember where it was. Somebody's man cave uh, that I've been to where they had pictures. They went to that game and there was pictures left and right. Uh, it just looked like one hell of a moment. Uh, great game from what I've heard. Uh, so I want to be there for the last game at that stadium. And I always think that the last games played at stadiums is kind of. It, it something about it has always kind of struck a chord with me. Like I remember Joe Lewis was that that was like kind of the most recent one. You know, a few years ago. Just seems like something that's awesome. Like, man, this stadium that has had so many memories and so many great games in it, this energy that we're feeling here tonight, it's never going to be here again. You know, it's going to be gone. Uh, so it's just crazy to me. I've always wanted to be a part of something like that. So I'm throwing that out there as my number three. Before you go on, I just want to give you a little tip since you're Mr. Bally Sports. I mean, if you get a chance, look that one up and just watch the post-game celebration when all the Tiger greats come out right. walking from center field. <laughs> it was something to see. It was really great. Wow. So, yeah, I didn't even know that part was uh, a part of it, but incredible. Um, honorable mention that I'm going to throw out there, uh, Fitterich, uh, just the, it seems like everybody loves this guy. It did seem like an electric um, when he went, what, pitched a shutout against the Yankees on what was Monday, like, night, Sunday, Monday baseball. night baseball or something. Yep. Seemed like a big deal at the time. That's a cool one, but I'm not going to pick it. Uh, my number four pick, what I'm going with is the 1999, uh, excuse me, not the 1999. I'm going to save that one for my next pick. <laughs> Like I said, I'm kind of drafted on the fly, so when okay. I say these are coming, coming to my dome right now, but I can only bend myself for that because I was the one that misunderstood my own rules. <laughs> but what I'm going with right now is you pick the Olympics route. I'm sticking with the Olympics too. Come back, you know what? I'm gonna give me. I'm kind of filibustering right now. All right. Well, tell. speaking uh, of Olympics, right. speaking of the Olympics, <laughs> what do we, hold on. I had it written down. What do we think about no fans at the Olympics? That was a topic. Let's just jump out right now. I mean, <laughs> what do we think about that? Japan, my goodness, 15 percent of the population only vaccinated, and they're going to have an Olympics without fans. I mean, they got to do it because of all the athletes that have trained. But how strange is that going to be? Okay. Yeah, I think it's like if this was happening last summer. Maybe, we, you know, that's just kind of how it was last summer. So maybe it would have right. been a little bit like, well, cool, at least we're getting the Olympics. Maybe, we, you know, we would have thought it that way. But now that we're kind of getting more back to normal here, and, like, I'm looking at the Home Run Derby right now, packed house at Coors Field in Colorado, and we think about, that, like, the Euro Cup, like you said, that uh, went on this past weekend, packed house there. We need to get the fans there. It, there's nothing like having fans at these events. You're right. All right, I have my pick. Michael Jordan, you, you just got to throw him out there. He's somebody you want to see play, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to go with his most memorable moment. Uh, it was it takes a little bit from it because we saw so much about it in the last dance. But how do you not pick that shot against the Jazz? Game six, kind of his like walking off. At that time, you thought it was the last time you were ever going to see Michael Jordan. I mean, what a perfect like photo finish to a career. I'm going game six, 1998 finals. Michael Jordan, the shot. Everything that came with it. Now there are a lot of other Michael Jordan games you could throw out there. You know the flu game, this or that. Just give me the the last shot of his career uh, in my mind. You know his perfect career. 
98 finals. That was Michael cl- Jordan. That was clutch. By the way, I've told you before, I saw Michael Jordan play in Chicago. It was it was quite a thrill. Go ahead, Matt, your turn. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw Michael Jordan play a few times at the Palace. Eh, a little overrated. But um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, probably the, the one that I thought of that – I did. I was curious if Ted was maybe. Well, no, Ted, you were alive, so yeah, you couldn't have picked it. At least with our rules. But the one that I thought would be really cool to be a part of, I, the the one like disclaimer, I guess, I'd want to be living in New York when this was going on, especially like in New York City, was when Roger Maris was the home run chase when he was about to break Babe Ruth's single season home run record. I just feel like because like we talked about a little bit ago, baseball at that time was the biggest deal in the world. Babe Ruth. Um, home run record was like the unbreakable. No one was ever going to break Babe Ruth's single season home run record. And then just everything else around with Mickey Mantle and everything. I think that would have been really cool because thinking about like in 98 when Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were chasing that record, how cool that was. I feel like that would have been part of, especially living in New York. Yeah, that's a good pick. And a lot of people forget Mickey Mantle was battling him all the way until he got hurt late in the season. I think he finished with 54. Uh, but that's yep. a that's a good memory. I, I'm on the baseball bandwagon as well. My number four pick, um, the shot heard round the world, Bobby Thompson, on October third, fifty one. The Giants win the pennant. The Giants win the pennant. I mean, they had a three game playoff with the Dodgers in that third game. He hits a home a walk off home run. The place goes crazy. One of the most famous calls in sports history. So Bobby Thompson shot will be in my number four, and I'll throw my Michigan one in. Uh, there was a lot to pick from, but, uh, you know, it's been so long since the Lions have won a championship. I'm going to go to their first championship in the 50s. 52, the Lions down the Browns, 17-7. Bobby Lane was the quarterback. Doak Walker, the star running back. Uh, Otto Graham was the quarterback for the Browns, but the Lions won 17-7. That's my, that'll be my number five and my Michigan pick. Wow. I mean, it's, it sounds good on paper. But you drop yourself in those stands, seventeen to seven. You're probably sleeping by halftime in Tiger Stadium too, at Tiger Stadium. Dude, what was this even? How many teams oh, yeah, were in the like? What was this championship even? What did they win? Really? They won the championship, but what was they it like? Five the, teams in the league at the time? And I, no, it's funny. You know that season they finished nine and three. They tied with the Rams. They get this. Think about this, boys in football. They tied with the Rams at 9-3. and three. The Lions beat the Rams during the regular season twice. You'd think, okay, they got the tiebreaker, right? NFL rules at that time. They had to have a playoff game to get to the championship game. So they <laughs> That's beat, what I mean. It's, it's, it, was a, it was a joke. It, was, it wasn't a joke. It was a different time. <laughs> it's a joke. Well, anyway, that's my pick. All right, back, back to Matt's back. last pick. That's a good one. Uh, I was going to say that, too, but... <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to be a downer on like old football. Like, there's a side of me that almost has no interest in watching football like pre 1970. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, that's <laughs> when know. men I, were I men, Matt. Men line, were men. Like, like the first Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Because um, I would have picked a miracle on ice, so I won't pick that specifically. But I will just throw out the 1980 Olympics as my. It'll be my blanket. So I'll still get to see the Miracle on Ice, but I'll get to see everything else. Um, 1980 Olympics. Wow. I, what even happened in that? Was that Olympics that crazy? What was so... Uh, no, just because, I, like I mentioned earlier, I, I think any of the Olympics would have been cool. So so I can still see my Miracle on Ice pick. I'll just pick the Olympics as a whole in 1980. Here, here's, so, why that, placid, here's, right? here's why that pick isn't <laughs> yeah, the best. Yeah. 
you go, you, I just imagine somebody asking you, like, hey, you were at the 1980 Olympics. Like, that's awesome. Like, you, you, you clearly you got to see the Miracle on Ice game, right? Oh, no, that's one thing I missed. <laughs> Kate, say it, man. Not the best pick. I think I kind of I kind of cucked you on that pick, oh, for lack of a better term. I don't know what else. The, for well, lack of a better term. Lack of a better term. Sure, man. I don't know what. We're throwing that one out here. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. I just think it's a better. I just think it's. Like I said, you kind of threw out the idea. Maybe, like, why not just take the '84 Olympics? Was that even, or was that the year that they didn't even happen? That, that was LA, wasn't it? Heck, I can't yeah. remember. It's Matt's pick. He can pick whoever he it's, damn wants. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, yeah. You you pick. You want to go back to gladiator times when people weren't bathing and hell, you can't even read your own text. Like I said, yeah, <laughs> I, I already I lost this draft before it even started, so I really shouldn't be throwing any stones at anyone's picks. Uh, I'm gonna take this one. Babe Ruth's called shot in the. Um, Let's see. Let me make sure I get this right. I don't know the specific date or when the when the World Series was. October first, nineteen thirty-two. Uh, a lot, I actually do know this that a lot of people would like kind of debate whether or not he actually like called his shot or if he would just happen to like be pointing his bat somewhere. A lot of people really don't know what happened. Uh, if he was trash talking the pitcher, this or that. So one, I want to be there in the prime location to see what actually did happen, be able to tell that story, uh, and just something about those old time like baseball games when it was the only thing going. They seem awesome. Like, being inside that stadium, I don't care what happened that day. I don't care who was playing. It seemed like it was the biggest thing in the world, and just being a part of a ballpark during those days seems awesome. So, I'm taking that. Babe Ruth's called shots, the last pick of the draft. Okay. That's kind of interesting you pick something like that as as much as you dog on the old-time athletes. Well, Babe Ruth. I mean, Babe Ruth's Babe Ruth. Well, yeah, I think you've laughed at me before when I said I think Babe Ruth's the greatest <laughs> baseball player ever. Yeah, I mean, I do laugh at that still. Uh, he he is not. Um, you drop Shohei Itani, he's probably hitting 400 home runs back uh, then. Well, yeah. But still, for the time being and how big of a star he was at the time, how big of a star he still is, it's like, how do you not want to go see him no, play? No, it's a solid pick. I like it. No problem. All right, uh, did we make it through our contest? Yes. <laughs> you think we, we still have listeners, you think? <laughs> they might have lost us when we didn't even know what the heck we were drafting right at the start. Like I said, hand up on that. I don't know how I... I mixed that around, but that was my mistake. No problem, no problem. All right, well, I'll tell you what. We'll finish off this pod, a little longer one than we normally have, but we got Jim Woodworth going to be joining us, telling us about some uh, big news over at uh, Corona High School. Hey, gang, please consider a donation to the ALS Association Michigan chapter, serving people with ALS and their families since 1988. There still is no cure for Lou Gehrig's disease, and every 90 minutes, someone is diagnosed with ALS. For more details, go online at webmi.alsa.org. All right, next up on the podcast, one of our good friends, one of our good partners, Jim Woodworth. Jim, uh, not only a success in business, but uh, helping out the Corona Cavalier family. Tell us a little bit about that to start with. Yeah, it's been it's been an awesome experience the last uh, month or so, two months really. Um, we just kind of floated the idea around uh, about starting a scholarship to honor our basketball coach, John Fattel, and myself, Kyle Clough, Josiah Airbright, Jimmy Skodak, and Brent Jamison decided that... It was a cool thing to do. It was a really, I mean, it gives a different feeling when you can create something like that for somebody else. Especially when um, they're still alive. And that's, <laughs> I, you know, I don't understand why you don't name gyms after people when they're alive. Like, give them the opportunity to enjoy that reception, that, sure. you know, that, that sense of appreciation. And, and that's really it. And, you know, we, we started this, having this conversation, and then Mark Clough passed away, like, mm. in the midst of this. And we're thinking, oh, my gosh, like... This is why you do. This is why you do this stuff right now because 
how cool it have been to have something like that for Mark. Yeah. And now they're having that conversation about, you know, let's start something for, you know, for Coach Clough, which would be great for Corona, but it would have been cool to have them, you know, have him have the opportunity to appreciate that. Like, why wait till people die to, to honor them? And so we decided to do that. Well, one more question to get us off and rolling here. Now, who came up with the idea? Were you guys having some brewskis, or how did you come across the idea? Well, so I'm on the board of the Crown Educational Foundation right now, which deals specifically with scholarships. So I floated the idea out there to about 10 of us that have, you know, through the different eras of John Fattel played for him. And I asked for a pretty hefty financial commitment. So believe me, there would have been, you know, a line at the door that said, hey, we want to do this, but... I really wanted to make a big impact right away. So for the people that kind of founded it, I wanted to make sure that they had some some significant skin in the game. So we'll have a lot more people that now join that effort to create a bigger endowment and that kind of stuff. But for the initial launch anyway, we just I just floated it out via text and we had a few people right away say, yeah, I want to be a part of it. And so we went from there. What are some of like the um, behind the scenes stuff that goes into like making a scholarship? I just is it kind of as easy as hey we have you know this amount of money and we're just gonna pick somebody or do you have to go through a bunch of like checks and balances type stuff uh, before you can do that? You know it's it's easier than one would think. Um, being on the board helps because I kind of got a sense for what we could commit to on an annual basis and how much it would take to do that. So at the educational foundation and every institution's a little bit differently, but you need to do at least a $5,000 endowment. And then they'll take a small percentage of that annually and give it out to a student, student athlete or whoever. Um, and it's 5%. So 5,000, you're talking about 250 annually. Well, the cost of education, that does not, you know, it's barely, yeah, it, it doesn't even make a dent. So um, that's why I floated out a big number. We made a $10,000 commitment um, between the five of us over the next I don't even remember how many years I said. I think I think I said two. Do you remember ten? Two or three, yeah. So ten thousand dollar commitment, and that was more of a like at the last minute. I initially said a ten thousand dollar commitment over the next five, and we really wanted to again make a bigger impact where we could do more money, provide a, a bigger opportunity for someone who you know maybe teetering on one school to the next, but a couple thousand. Now you're talking about you know a class or two or or more that we can cover. So for the next five years, we're we're committing to at least a two thousand dollars scholarship wow. um, annually, and then after that, we'll have some sort of endowment in place where it's you know it's in place. But I I mean, like I said, there there's going to be a lot more people that want to and will feel honored to give to this cause, um, to honor our coach and and now you know teacher superintendent. And, and at the last minute, Ted, we we changed it to the Fatel Family yeah, I Scholarship. That. Yeah. So I I, niche, yeah, I re- initially reached out to Ted and said, hey, we're going to honor your brother, our coach. And that <clears> night, <throat> later that night, I sent Ted a text, and I'm like, yeah, it's well, it's you know, you missed it. Congratulations, <laughs> you're it's the Fatel Family. And you're like, what the heck, man? I wish I was there. <laughs> no, it's def- definitely cool, and I, I I was really excited to hear everything that you guys have going on with it because. Obviously, I played for Coach Vitell, and he had a big impact on my life, just like he did for you and everyone else involved. Outside of basketball, basketball was fun. We all know the success we had on the court. But like you mentioned in your speech and other posts and everything, he had such a big impact on all of his players off the court, too. Can you talk about why, I guess, initially you thought that uh, scholarship would be good in his name or the Vitell family's name? And then also, uh, piggybacking off of that, what you guys will look for in the student or the student athlete who receives uh, the scholarship. 
Yeah, I mean, initially we wanted to honor our coach. So it was an easy thing to do. We're going to honor John Fattel. And and as we kind of went along and we had more conversations, the five of us, Coach Fattel is not, he's not one to like really enjoy that limelight. And you look back the last 70 years of the impact the Fattel family's had, it's it's not just been him. And I'm 40, and I can recall 30 years ago listening to Ted and Chris McMillan <laughs> on Tuesday nights with my friend Josh Daly. We would call each other and and tie up the phone lines for two hours so we could listen to sports for him. And what Ted's done for you know countless student-athletes, not only at Corona but all over Shiawassee County to help promote and market – and and Bud Fattel winning a state championship at Corona, um, to Johnny and Josh and Jared, you really look at the entire legacy, and it continues today of the whole Fattel family. And we just thought, just giving given John Fattel's personality and the you know his style, we just thought it would be more appropriate to kind of lump him in with with everybody else. Well, very cool, and uh, not to diss your thoughts on the Fattel boys, but I got to give some props to my sisters too, Jenny and Mary. They both played varsity sports yeah, well, as well. Yeah. So, you know, they have different last names now probably. <laughs> That's and right. That's you know right. what? So just, just me throwing not, that out. Yeah. Well, you're pretty old, so I don't necessarily know like what happened back in the sixties and seventies. I'm way either. old, Jim. You know that. So I'll just throw this out there. Um, you, I was talked about how the Fattel families had, you know, a big impact on current sports. Uh, one of the people you threw out there was Ted, um, in his like kind of radio career and all that sort of stuff. But some would argue maybe, uh, I think he only maybe had like five wins throughout his entire all career. Right. That maybe clear, he was, let's maybe he was a detractor right. to let, current sports. Let, let, let's clear this up right now. All right, Jim, uh, in your off the cuff comments at that uh, get together, had to mention that I played on bad teams or something. That is a complete. Complete fallacy to number one. Well, that's, I that's on one yeah. really bad. Team. Well, that's John. Okay. I, you know, I learned from John. He all told right. me about you and all this. I, I just and I did see that George was an all-time steals leader at one point. Right. John was an all-time assist. I don't remember seeing you in the stats book at, at any point in time. Uh, check out the football stat okay. book. Okay. Oh, right, Jared. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, it's interceptions. You that comes out about once every single. And, time and now, uh, so. but I just wanted to clear the air here. You know, on the uh, playing on bad teams. You're only able to play with the players you got, right? Hey, I'm not your you classmates. Know, I'm just throwing that out there. I, and, I, and I've got nothing but love for you. And that's, I know that. And that's why I, I made that joke. It did not go over as well as I thought it would. <laughs> the audience <laughs> may not know you. They might not know you know our relationship. But um, um, but yeah, I had to get a dig in at least a little. That's bit. all right. I just had a since Jared brought it up again. I was going to let it <laughs> slide, Jim. And speaking of radio, uh, I think you are on a bigger and better trajectory than your uncle Ted right now <laughs> By to this far. day. So. I hope so. I mean, I've kind of you know taken the keys and ran with it, as they as they say in the biz. But uh, Matt mentioned it a little bit uh, earlier. Um, it was at the it was the second part of a question, but I'll bring it back. Uh, is there any talk yet about like kind of what's going to go into the parameters uh, with this scholarship? And I think Matt was the one that said uh, you know kind of what what are you looking for in a student athlete uh, when you award this scholarship? Well, I think I mean obviously we're going to want to look at some type of basketball component, and and really we want to sit down with John and. And let him help guide that decision. We're, our first recipient's going to be a, an incoming senior for the 21-22 season or school year. So we've got some time to really put that into place. But we want John to have some, in, um, some input on how we decide who it is. I made the joke that between the five of us, we had a you know, combined GPA of four points. So <laughs> it's really we want it really heavily focused on athletics. But I'm sure there's going to be some ac- academics and community service, leadership, you know, whether you're a captain or something like that, toughness, um, 
some of those things that um, that Coach Fatel really instilled on us. Um, but he's going to have a big input into how we do that. So hopefully over the next couple of weeks we'll have all that laid out. And then um, if somebody that's listening uh, or just some Corona fans in general uh, want to kind of donate to the scholarship, how is it that they do that? Do they reach out to you or is it the Corona Board of Education? How do they do that? So to make a donation, um, you write a check, uh, make a check out to the Corona Educational Foundation and then the memo, just the Fatel Family Scholarship. So super easy, mail it to, you can mail it to any of the school buildings, uh, the high school, 417 East King Street in Corona, Michigan, or the central office, um, Google it, you can find it pretty easily. The Corona Educational Foundation is where you'd make that donation. And again, the end goal is after five years, after we've made that commitment of giving $2,000 annually, we want to have a good chunk of money in there. So whether we do a golf outing in the future or we just solicit uh, donations from uh, his former uh, players and, and students, we want to have a, a decent amount in there because like I said only five percent of that endowment at that time would then be rewarded annually so um you know people can make it part of their trust what do you call it Ted you got to yeah. be getting close to that trust I think uh, end of living donate giving giving living, well. living whatever whatever it is you can make that a part of your um estate planning is ah, what I'm looking go. for yeah. so I may consider that I'm, I'm getting pretty close so. I, that's what I'm saying like the, the, you know that's that's <laughs> something that really anyone can do at any point in time all right, Jim. You know we're talking about Corona big time. Back coaching. How, how do you how'd you like coaching this last year? Or so it, you know it was an interesting year just because of the stop start stop start, the mask wearing that you know the kids had to do. It, we had a great great group of kids at every level, freshman, JV, and varsity. I think we only lost about nine games between the three program between and, the and three you were levels, the JV so. coach. Right? JV coach. Yep. Um, so that 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 freshman class, which they'll be sophomores, uh, the Bauer boys, oh. the you know Socha, they are an incredible. Just they're very deep. So there'll be five sophomores, I think, on the varsity this coming year, and our JV team will be still really really good. So that sophomore class is really really strong. All right. Well, before we let you get out of here, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your business. We appreciate you being a partner here, Success Group Mortgaging. Tell us a little bit about that and why people ought to hook up with you. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. So um, I lead the team at Success Group Mortgage and Servicing. We're located right here in uh, downtown Owasso with um, uh, licensing soon to be in Florida and Hawaii. Great vacation spots. I, I so, love that. <laughs> so we've got a cool team of people um, all over the really country. We've got two people out in Hawaii, Jeff Deason, uh, the former chamber president, and Karen Marmoto, uh, who's, who's just awesome. They're both great people. So uh, we help folks with purchases and refinancing. Basically, any type of home financing you can think of, um, that's what we help folks out with. Well, outstanding. The best way to get a hold of your phone number or website? Yeah, either one. Uh, you can call us at 989-720-4380, successgroupmortgage.com. And um, um, one of our team members will get back to you right away when you reach out. So we'd be we'd be thrilled to help you. And uh, you mentioned the podcast, mentioned your friend of the uh, Ted Fatel, and we'll make sure that we take great, great care of you. Yeah, give me a rare win when you do that, will you? Oh, you got it. We got you. <laughs> all right, Jim. Hey, we appreciate the support as always, and uh, appreciate uh, all the efforts on Corona. Great to be gold, right? Absolutely. All Thanks, right. guys. All right, Jim. Thanks. All right, great stuff there by Jim. Uh, a, a good thing by him and his buddies. I mean, ten grand scholarship for Corona—that's just outstanding news. All right, guys, let's call this a show. 
follow us on social media at Three Point Pod. Let our partners like Jim know you listen in. They include Advanced Elevator, the ALS Association of Michigan, Chrono Connection, JJ's Excavating and Tree Service, Hankard Sportswear, Owasso Speedway, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5, The Castle. For Jared Fattel and Matt Burns, I'm Ted Fattel saying so long, everybody. Until next time. Point Podcast is syndicated worldwide on Sports Radio Detroit and MWSN Radio. The show is a Sportsnet Michigan production recorded at the WJSZ MidMichigan Studios. Spread the word to your friends and family and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of the other big podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at 3PointPod or by email to 3PointPod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, bye for now.